What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. could whip me on any street in America. Well, let me tell you something, Dusty Rhodes. I've heard a lot about your sister. I know she's been on a lot of streets, so she knows them real well. As a matter of fact, they used to call Dusty's sister Federal Express. Did you know that? When she went out on a date, she absolutely positively had to be there overnight. But I want to talk about Dusty's whole family. I want to talk about his drunken old daddy. Down there in Austin, Texas, every Saturday night, Dusty Rhodes' father would go in the worst low-class redneck saloon in Austin, Texas, and there would be fighting, there would be swearing, there would be cussing, and a lot of hard drinking. And finally, he'd be able to drag Dusty's mother out of there. But you know something about Dusty's daddy? He was a successful businessman. As a matter of fact, before he was a plumber, he owned a shoe store. He owned a shoe store down there in Austin, Texas, and he did so good at it that to this day, every time the city of Austin, Texas thinks of black loafers, they think of Dusty's father. But let me tell you something, Dusty Rhodes, and I want you to listen real good. The Cornette family has long been regarded not only in Louisville, Kentucky, but all over the country, all over the world, as one of the finest families ever in this country. Beautiful Bobby Sweet Sam, they come from money, they come from power, they come from movers and shakers, they come from the upper crust. We are not riffraff, we're not rednecks, we're not farmers, and we're not plumber sons like you. So don't you ever, ever dare make comments about the Cornette family because, brother, let me tell you something, we're going to take that into consideration. Just remember, your daddy spent his whole life in other people's toilets, and while he was out there with that plumber's helper, Every delivery boy and out-of-work bum in Austin, Texas knew the color of your mama's bedroom. You remember that. Let's go. More after this timeout, fans. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the Mid-Atlantic Gateway. Head on over to midatlanticgateway.com and check out Dick Bourne's brand-new book, Four Horsemen, A Timeline History, chronicling the story of the greatest faction in the history of professional wrestling, the Four Horsemen, from the beginning to the end and everything in between. It is a -a one-of-a-kind look into the greatest faction in the history of the wrestling business, and it is by our good buddy Dick Bourne, the author of some of the best wrestling books to come down the pike in the last 10 or 15 years, however way you want to look at it. But head on over to midatlanticgateway.com to check out Four Horsemen, a timeline history, also available at amazon.com. 
And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, I am absolutely thrilled to get back in this chair, put this microphone in my hand, and welcome back quite possibly the most talked about guy in professional wrestling right now. And no, I'm not talking about Roman Reigns. No, I'm not talking about Brock Lesnar. I'm not talking about AJ Styles or Nakamura or anybody in NXT, I am talking about a tried and true legend in professional wrestling. The one and only Jim Cornette makes his return yet again to the two-man power trip of wrestling. And the reason I say he's the most talked about guy in the business is because his feud with Vince Russo has obviously reached a cataclysmic boiling point and if you do listen to the Jim Cornette experience which I'm sure a lot of people do or you listen to Vince Russo's The Brand and you listen to Vince Russo's podcast you know that this feud between these two guys has reached an absolute freaking boiling point that I don't know if we've ever ever thought it was going to get to this but now Vince Russo has served Jim Cornette with a protective order And Jim Cornette comes to the show five or six days removed from receiving this protective order uh, against contacting or against any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of involvement with Vince Russo. It's actually classifying him as having stalked him for the last 17, 18 years. And to get Jim Cornette's take basically fresh off this topic is uh, is pretty awesome. And uh, we have detailed our relationship with Jim Cornette in past episodes, and he's been very good to this show. And he and John speak a lot, and Jim Cornette, obviously, even off the air, has just been so great to us, and just uh, consider him a good friend, and that's pretty uh, pretty awesome to say. I got to really kind of pat ourselves on the back with that, but with Jim Cornette coming on the show, he's obviously he's a hot-button issue, and if you look back at our shows, we've done two other episodes with Jim Cornette. We have never mentioned the name Vince Russo, and it's not because we went out of our way to not bring up a controversial topic. It's not because Jim Cornette asked us not to mention Russo. It's just there's so much to talk to Jim Cornette about. Why are we going to waste time and beat to death a topic that he's talked about on his own show in every kayfabe commentary release that he's ever done, uh, which you can find over at shootinterviews.com, and that's a good plug for our buddy Sean Oliver. But we weren't going to go into Vince Russo at all in any of the past episodes. I mean, whether it was talking about the Midnight Express in the NWA days in our first episode or more about his return to the WWE Hall of Fame and doing the table for three in our last one, we just never got around to Russo. But now it was the right time because of how fresh this protective order thing was. And it's great. I mean, what can I say? We talk about Russo for about 10 to 12 minutes and you might be surprised at what he's got to say, but it's just, it's always cool to hear Cornette going into one of his Cornette rants. Um, but we got to say, we love Jim Cornette and we thank him as usual for coming on. But John, as I welcome you in here, I could go on all day about Jim Cornette. I love the guy. I love everything that he does. Anytime he comes on the show, it's always big business for us. But why don't you talk about some of the other things that we get into in this episode, as well as maybe a couple of the highlights that we have to look forward to in yet another great episode with Jim Cornette. Well, 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 Chad, back again, the two-man power trip of wrestling and Jim Cornette, the legend himself, the Louisville Lip, joins us for an unprecedented third time on the two-man power trip and it's pretty amazing to have a guest come on three times but to have a guest of his caliber come on three times uh, says it all and it's pretty amazing for us to have him on that many times it was pretty amazing to have him on the first time but if you really think about it and you really look into it what a guest he's been non-stop downloads non-stop youtube hits everything he does is just gold not only for the two-man power trip, but obviously for his own podcast, for the Jim Cornette experience, for MLW, for uh, Camp Cornette, for Castle Cornette, for um, JimCornette.com. Everything he does is absolute gold, and he's been knocking it out of the park. And like we talk about in the interview, the Jim Cornette business is up, and it's on the rise. Too bad the wrestling business isn't following in that same suit. But I digress, and of course, Chad, like you mentioned... We have never 
with uh, Jim, you know, the three times that he's been on with Mr. Cornette, we've never talked about Vince Russo until this episode. There was just too many other topics to discuss. There was too many other things going on. And, you know, there's too many other, you know, variables going on that we just quite frankly didn't get to Russo. But now it's a hot button topic. It's a really hot issue. And we, this time around, we got to talk a lot about Russo. Obviously, Chad, you cover the uh, the pretty much the gamut there on the, on the Russo questions. Obviously, you know, he's got to go a little light right now. And he has a great funny line about why he's going light. And he has a great funny line about what he calls Russo. So, you know, uh, you're definitely going to enjoy that. That's very funny. And obviously, you know, we're going to go into the Midnight Express, of course, the greatest tag team of all time. Then, of course, you know, we'll go into the scrapbook, which I now am a proud owner of. Thank God. It was very hard to get, actually. Uh, it's quite a rare item. And I do mention that to uh, Jim in the interview as well, that it is, a, you know, a very rare, awesome item. And I was finally able to get my hands on a copy of it from Jim himself. So thank you again, Mr. Cornett, for the awesome Midnight, Ex- Midnight Express scrapbook. Much appreciated. I absolutely love it. And it is going to be the number one, you know, uh, shelf talker, if you will, on my uh, bookshelf. So that is awesome. But, uh, you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself because this is a really, really, really fun episode. Anytime you have Jim on, you know it's going to be fun and you know he's going to hit a home run right out of the ballpark for you, whether he's talking about Vince McMahon, whether he's talking about Vince Russo, whether he's talking about the Attitude Era, what he liked about it, obviously what he didn't like about it. There's so many different things to just discuss with him and Boom, ask him a, a topic, and he goes off on quite an amazing tangent of just an, you know, awesome stories. So I guarantee you will enjoy this one. I guarantee you will love this one uh, as much as we did. We love having him on, and like he said, he will be back in the continuing series of Jim Cornette on the two-man power trip of wrestling, which is quite an honor for us, and it's just amazing to even kind of blurt out that sentence. But like I said, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this one because it's another amazing Jim Cornette interview. And we'll just call this uh, part three of JC on TMPT. Absolutely. And we want to thank Jim Cornette for taking the time to come on with us. And I can't beat that to death enough. It was another great chat. And if you're listening to this in real time, we recorded this one. Only 24 hours from when this was released. So we are spinning this one out as fast as we can so you can listen to a little bit more Jim Cornette, which I'm sure if anybody listens to shoot interviews or podcasts, Jim Cornette is probably filling up about 75% of your time anyway. And I'm sure the other 25% of that time has been checking out our brand new show, on the IRW network with the franchise Shane Douglas, aptly titled the Triple Threat Podcast. And after an overwhelming debut and after two more episodes in the books, we can proudly say that we've heard the demand and starting on July 5th, we will be bringing the Triple Threat Podcast to this iTunes feed. So if you are subscribed to the two-man power trip of wrestling you will be getting the triple threat podcast featuring us and the franchise shane douglas and if you have heard the first couple of episodes you know it's a lot of fun uh it's anything goes it's all topics covered we talk politics we talk music we talk sports we talk wrestling we talk anything and everything uh shane wants us to cover all bases Doesn't just want to stick to the wrestling topics, but we encourage everyone to reach out to us, email us, tweet us, and go to the amount that are coming in. We've only been able to answer a handful of them over the first few episodes, but it's because Shane's going to give you details, and Shane's not just going to uh, give you five seconds of a yes or a no. We're going to really explore it, and we've been able to do that so far And like I said, the response for an iTunes release was overwhelming, and we will be bringing you that iTunes release beginning on July the 5th, where you will get the Triple Threat podcast delivered to your iTunes subscription of the Two-Man Power Trip. So we thank you for sticking with us through everything. And of course, uh, now you're going to get a little bit more of us, but this time with the franchise thrown in there. So now, John, with everything we've talked about now and all the stuff going on in our world, why don't you do me a favor, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over 
to James E. Cornette. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you, New Kent, Virginia, on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, the Louisville Whip, the Louisville Slugger, the Louisville Loudmouth, the Prince of Polyester. He is a pro wrestling and NWA AWON Hall of Famer. He is the former manager of the Midnight Express. He is the greatest manager of all time. He is... James E, a.k.a. Jim Cornette. Please enjoy. possibly our favorite guest not too long ago he discussed his nice trip to the wwe hall of fame ceremonies and that was a lot of fun but now there's a lot of stuff going on down at castle cornet and it's my pleasure again to welcome back to the show like i said our favorite guest the one and only jim cornet thank you for joining us john chad it's it's great to be back at the the, the two-man power nap of podcast i mean power trip of podcast oh, I'm, i jest i just i i josh you know a little levity to begin with i love you guys you know i do uh we love you right back it was great seeing you a couple weeks back in new jersey uh which is probably the only time we can ever say that about the state of new jersey that it was nice to see something in there oh good but, lord uh, what about fun. that hotel what a dump Oh, my God, I'm, I'm so glad to get back home here to the castle. I'm just actually staring out my back window now. We got a couple of, uh, well, a mama deer and a couple of young, not baby deer, they're, they're a little bit bigger, but young deer have moved into the woods back, back of the gas place next to me. So they come over into my backyard at the castle and they, they sun themselves. We've got some feed out for them. The, it's so relaxing as opposed to New Jersey. Wondering whether I'll be Tracy Morgan on the turnpike. <laughs> and, yeah, your experience at uh, what used to be, uh, what it used to be, uh, was it a Holiday Inn? Or it used to be, oh, Crown Plaza, now well, it's you, the Ramada. It used, to, it used to be the Crown Plaza, now it's the Ramada Plaza. I know because they had Ramada written on a sheet and tied with, with clothesline <laughs> over the top of Crown on the front sign. But when I ordered the pizza... They said, where are you? I said, it depends on which sign you look at, because they haven't covered all of them up yet. It's a, it was a wonderful place. I spent a month there that weekend. 
Uh, yeah, the Legends exactly. of the Ring is a fine show. Wonderful show. Enjoyed you guys. You gave me carpal tunnel syndrome with that, that one deal, John. But I uh, enjoyed seeing you guys, and Legends of the Ring is a great show. Uh, but don't stay in the hotel. Come come in and come and go. Yeah, it was one of the better uh, Legends of the Ring conventions of the last couple of years. When they have the two of them, it's kind of hard to read the crowd. I feel like the June one is always a little bit heavier because of the fact, you know, school's out, people are traveling, Blah, blah, blah. But the room was great. Everybody had fun. It was just that nightmare of a time that you had that you detailed on your show in, in great detail. It was very uh, very funny, especially if you've been into the building. You've seen, you know, the decline. I'm just surprised that the toilets work throughout that convention. That's always the thing that I'm the most uh, shocked about by the time I leave. Well, I don't know about your, you know, bowel habits or anything, uh, you know, so I, I really didn't have any trouble with the toilet. That may have been the only thing that worked in the whole place, but uh, but no, but it's 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 wonderful when I can get back home and say I've completed my annual trip to New Jersey. <laughs> and what an a uh, what an eventful uh, time it's been since you got home, and we'll get to that in just a second. But again, yeah, we talked to you after the Hall of Fame, and that was a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, it seemed like you know the next three four weeks after WrestleMania, that's all everybody was talking about was the table for three that you filmed, and also your Hall of Fame appearance. And it seems like that table for three has just really kind of turned into one of the biggest wrestling stories of 2017, whether you guys intended that or not. And I know it was just a conversation. You know, actually, it was the, it was the second most watched uh, program on the WWE Network that week, which I thought was, was good that the old guys can still come in and, and pop the number. Oh, that's awesome, because it just tells them again that that's what people want to see. They want to see a lot of the old-school talk, but it's you. I just wish that we, we, we were there for an hour and a half. They only showed 20 minutes of it. I would love because it was stuffy hot in where we were shooting that thing, and if I'd have known they were only going to show 20 minutes, I'd have, I'd have uh, spoken quicker and wrapped up sooner. I was having fun. <laughs> was we, we, were, we were enjoying ourselves, my new best friend, Eric Bischoff, and I. Yeah, and that's what you said to us, too, is you said, I hope that they show more than just what you've been told about, you know, 23 to 25 minutes. And, yeah, it was about 22 minutes. But still, that 22 minutes has caused basically uh, multiple wrestling podcasts to, uh, I said it's the, the war of the podcast worlds, where, you know, obviously, you know, the, the old rivalry of you and Vince Russo or, uh, or Shit Stain or whatever else you want to call them, and then you throw in Eric Bischoff, and then as well another good friend, Bruce Pritchard, and it's been this triangle, and almost actually really a square, of all this stuff going back and forth that obviously took the huge turn last week, and we're only about five days removed from when you personally got served court papers to uh, really, I guess, a restraining order to stay away from Vince Russo. Looking back on these last couple of days, can you still believe that he actually went through with this again? Well, well, when you just say it like that, it just sounds it just sounds so crass. No, actually, we you know we had a great time with Table for Three, and it was such great feedback uh, on Twitter. People raved about it, and everybody wanted to see more and petitioned the WWE to see more. And and the only person I actually I think it didn't didn't like it was Vince Russo, who, who kind of got offended, I guess. That as part of the uh, discussion that we had, that Eric Bischoff and I, we'd, we'd never been friendly. First time we'd talked face-to-face in over 20 years, but we, we bonded over a mutual dislike of, of Mr. Russo. And and as, as that came up and we mentioned that, the WWE was quick to flash that picture of him up there because, you know, I guess they wanted to make that point. They had the final edit. I don't know. They could have taken all that stuff out. Uh, but he and, and he got offended, and and we exchange, you know we exchanged some harsh words in in, in both directions uh, on on our podcast. The Jim Cornette experience comes every Thursday on iTunes and Stitcher and all those things that the young folks listen to, um, or JimCornette.com if you just want to click that you got a link it takes you to it and all that good stuff. But anyway, and, and I said some, some harsh things that I have expressed remorse about, as a matter of fact, on my YouTube channel, uh, tinyurl.com slash corny YouTube. The statement is up there now where finally when, when I had said such harsh things about Vince Russo that I was served with a protective order that I, because he accused me of stalking him for 18 years, and, and I didn't realize I'd taken it that far. I had... No idea of that. 
and 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 ordered me to stay away from him and 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 his family and his residence that that I've never been to and his wife that I haven't seen in over 20 years and and never to call his phone that I'd never have called and didn't have the number to till last week. Um, but I shouldn't do that, and I'm not going to do that because after all, it's a court order. Uh, but I just I've I've really feel bad and have expressed remorse that I that I've scared the little fella so bad that that's it, he would have to go through with something like this and it just it's gone too far so of course we'll be we'll be lightening up on on the poor thing and and i don't want to i don't want to be accused of putting somebody in in fear of their life which is what the paper said uh, it's crazy and like i told you right before we went on the air you know, this is, we've done multiple interviews with you, and we've never even brought him up. So it's not like everybody's always looking to hear you talk about Vince Russo. It's just that these last couple months, and obviously the table for three being the catalyst, it's really yeah, I, I think that's probably what, what caused him, you know, because he went on his show again and demanded that I come on his show or let him come on my show or go on somebody's show and say these things to his face on Skype. And... And, you know, I, I took it too far, of course, and I said, well, I'd be, you know, so happy to say these things to your face and also, you know, whatever happens, happens, and 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 let's, you know, settle this. And, and then that, you know, that, that didn't work out well because then, he, of course, I got a protective order. Uh, so we want, we're not going to be talking face-to-face or, or contacting each other at all because that's strictly forbidden. So that, that debate will never happen. But I thought we were starting to work through our issues. Until that table for three, and then and then poor Bruce Pritchard, I've, you know I didn't hear the the whole show, but I guess Vince got upset because they read significant portions of a book that he wrote on the air there, and it made him look bad because I guess it was completely different things than what he's saying now. I don't know, you know, it's been a while since he wrote the book. I never read it, so I can't comment. Um, so he, you know, I hope that that. Bruce certainly doesn't take anything too far like I did, and I've been suitably chastened for. But, and then, of course, Eric Bischoff uh, just, you know, had, had mentioned that he doesn't hate Vince Russo, that, that, you know, he just he takes him for what he is, and, and I believe that was a pathological liar was the quote, but I can't remember, too, because I just saw that secondhand. You know, and we talked to Bruce Pritchard last week on the show, and, you know, he, one of the things that he talked about was not addressing the negativity. And, you know, obviously he did a three-hour show about Vince Russo and detailed the book and went over booking ideas and who took credit for what and blah, 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 blah. But what he took major offense to was that Russo went ahead and he called him a pillhead. He said he was an alcoholic. And obviously those are low blows that just don't need to be taken, whether or not he said he was, you know, he's addressed his drug issues in the past. But he said, I've never been an alcoholic. So that's a flat-out you know, misconception. So he said that was what bothered him the most. And, of course, it's just always it's bad to see people go that low. But obviously I just wish that Bruce hadn't done that. And hadn't have denied those things, you know, because that basically is saying that, that, that Vince was lying about it. And, and, and when you say that, I'm afraid now that Vince is going to have to go, that, go to court again and get some kind of order against Bruce because, you know, because he, you can't go around calling Vince Russo a liar. He does not take that well. And, and, and I don't think we should be smearing his reputation anymore because, after all, he's a fine, upstanding human being. He uses his left and right turn indicator in his car. And apparently, just every single major wrestling personality in probably the history of the world that he has ever worked with, is like, it's like the scientists on glo- global warming, 97% of them are so jealous of Vince and, and so upset at what he's accomplished that they they lie and talk about how crooked and how much of a cheat and a con man and a and a scoundrel he is and 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 then he's going to have he's going to have to spend a lot of time in court serving all these papers so i wish we'd just stop impugning his integrity yeah it's crazy and uh you know my partner and i talk about it all the time because you know obviously the last three months we've had on Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, and Mr. James E. Cornett. So I don't know if we're necessarily going to be classified in the Russo camp, so to speak, but uh, it's just crazy. Like I said, the war of the podcast world, it's like uh, it's become this uh, snowball rolling down the mountain. It's taken everybody along with it. 
Actually, I'm sitting right up here on the top of the hill myself, and it's it's warm. Um, I haven't been snowballed at all. I'm I'm enjoying actually here at the castle, uh, you know, uh, hanging out, watching the deer. You know, got the deer in the backyard playing around. Uh, just uh, recently uh, got some good news. The cult of Cornette is growing, increasing. They have power. I've, I recently met my uh, highly rated podcast and, and Son of a Gun. Uh, they came through for me, and uh, I've just I've just been suited chastened by these these legal forms being delivered and 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 that's why you know it's it's a horrible feeling when you know you've scared some poor defenseless guy that's i couldn't imagine i've i've i i take it on on my conscience hard that vince russo was laying awake at night in his bed in his house in fear of me and i i'd never want to do something like that to some poor little you know fellow like that again Almost like that poor deer out in the backyard. They might be, uh, you know, might be just as scared as easy. But let's kind of switch topics here and get off of that. Because, like I said, we haven't talked about Russo and you in the couple times you've been on with us. So I, I don't want to beat it home to death. But one thing that is just the general argument that always continues, it doesn't have to specifically be about Russo, but that's, you know, booking ideas. And that's people taking credit for I created this or you created that or, yeah, you said one word while we were talking about this concept. That's been going on forever in professional wrestling. But it seems like now it's the attitude era where everybody's taking credit for what. Do you think that that's something that we're going to see a lot of now in the next coming years because we all want, quote, the attitude era back? Oh, I I certainly don't want the fucking attitude era back. Good God, that's what started this whole mess we've never recovered from. Um... But no, it, it, here's the thing. In some cases, uh, you know, it, it's it, you can easily identify whose idea something was. In the old days of the territories, if somebody did something, it was either the booker's idea, the promoter's idea, or the talent that was involved, their idea, and they said, okay, do that. You could narrow it down. Um, it, 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 with, it, you know, with you Mountain Wrestling, for better or worse, most things were my idea. With some input from Kevin Sullivan and a few, you know, Bob Armstrong and some, you know, rock and roll. And, I mean, you know, the top guys. With the WWE or WWF at that time, whether it was the fellow that we were just talking about or myself or Bruce Pritchard or Jim Ross or Pat Patterson or whoever was in creative, and then when they actually started hiring writers, for God's sake, whatever the fuck, I have no idea what instigated that. Um, Everything, first of all, always was filtered through Vince. There were multiple people in the room, and sometimes even somebody who takes credit for an idea, okay, so-and-so is going to have a tag team partner. Well, what's his name? Well, if you name him, that doesn't mean you brought the tag team partner in. You just took what you 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 were instructed to do and came up with something. Uh, a lot of people have input and, and suggestions, and sometimes I've had people tell me, so-and-so was your idea, and I say, I don't, I don't no, I, I have no knowledge of this. And they say, well, yeah, you mentioned something, and it made me think, and then I did blah, blah, blah. So the person whose idea it was sometimes doesn't even remember saying it to begin with. So, you know, anybody who takes credit for just massive, long programs, there was a lot of... A lot of people whose hands were in the till and a lot of the talent had input at the top. And then you had the situation where sometimes you just had to do things because of injuries. So, you know, for the Attitude Era, and I don't know what the fuck was going on in WCW, but for the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars, almost nothing you saw was the idea of one single person from start to finish. And I say the attitude ever back. Not that I want it back either, but that just seems like the fan base now, the kids that were watching as kids then, or they're now adults, they want the attitude ever back. But here's, a, here's an interesting question. What would you say the most egregious offense is in terms of people taking credit for one booking idea? Like, this guy takes credit for it, this guy takes credit for it, and this guy takes credit for it. It's a hodgepodge of everybody claiming ownership of one gimmick or one storyline. Well, for a while there, the people who came up with the Montreal Screwjob finish were the. It was uh, you could. It was harder to get into the goddamn uh, Department of Motor Vehicles in that group. Everybody was taking credit for that for a while. First, nobody wanted to take credit for it. Then everybody wanted to take credit for it. Um, 
You know, once again, you know, we've mentioned somebody, you know, else that there's no reason to go back and beat that horse again, but, you know, invented air and water and stone cold and the rock and everything that was ever done. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I find that just as a general rule in wrestling, most people are more than happy to take credit for really good ideas, and, and somehow nobody's there to take credit for those really shitty ideas. Now, you know, you were saying wrestling business, obviously, is a little bit down right now. And it's funny, like you said, that the attitude ever, and then you're still trying to recover from it. But one thing I noticed is the Jim Cornette business isn't down. Just talk about the Jim Cornette business, because it, I found that so interesting that you said that and then kind of witnessed it. The wrestling business isn't making you money, but the Jim Cornette business is killing it for you. <laughs> Well, you know, and here's several reasons for that. Um, number one, it seems like that that wrestling is in such a doldrum today, except for the, the and as I like to say, for the kind of people who like that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing those people like. You know, what I'm talking the really devoted fans these days, who you know, I'm sure they've got a Kenny Omega T-shirt or whatever. Uh, but except for that, wrestling is in the doldrums. And more fans like to talk about how good wrestling used to be and how bad it sucks today, and I'm real good at doing that. So I've been somewhat in demand with that segment of the wrestling population, which is larger than the people that are active fans today, the fans that used to like pro wrestling, but they don't anymore. Uh, the podcast uh, has opened up a whole new audience because I not only talk about wrestling, but I talk about politics. Some people come for the politics, stay for the wrestling. Some people come for the wrestling, stay for the politics. Some people hate the politics, but I do it anyway because it's my fucking show. And uh, and and the 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 general cult of Cornette has spread to the Jim Cornette demeanor. Of course, my best-selling T-shirt says it all. Thank you, fuck you, bye. For some reason, I find that just being Jim Cornette and uh, doing my appearances and my my programs and selling my merchandise and existing in my world is more profitable to me these days than it would be to have a job with a full-time pro wrestling promotion. And I like my boss better, and I set my own hours. And most of it involves not leaving the house. It is amazing, the, the following you have. And I just find it so funny that some of those fans that are fans now, obviously not the fans that kind of used to watch, that are kind of more of your business than anyone else. It's just funny that... Some of those people, if you really think about it, I'm not going to go into numbers or anything crazy like that, but we spent a weekend in New Jersey together, you know, a few days here and there, and the amount of money you made in those days are more money than a lot of the guys saying that Jim Cornette is, you know, he's an old codger. It's more money than they would make in two months. It is like the stuff like that, Bobby, it's almost like you dumb marks. Like you guys aren't even making as much money as me. And no, no, that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. That doesn't bother me one iota. I love making a lot more money than everybody else, especially especially because <laughs> I'm older than they are and don't fall down on purpose and they get beat up a lot. Uh, no, in, in in all seriousness, I made a lot more money that weekend than guys who are independent wrestlers these days. Uh, the way you make money these days, especially. Uh, since the wrestling business is so constricted and controlled, is by being a personality. And I just happen to be a better personality, whether it be more widely known, more entertaining, or just goddamn more of a professional fucking fuss budget. Uh, So that is, I get paid because I am a personality, not because of my physical prowess uh, in, in, in the wrestling ring. But that's what you aspire to when you get older and you can't move around as well. <laughs> that is true. And if I could just go on to some current wrestling, just uh, you know, kind of jump ahead just a little bit. Oh, you'll have to leave me along now. But you did actually mention this on Table for Three. You said you wanted to see Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar, and that's kind of your dream WrestleMania match. Well, it's not really WrestleMania. It's a really weird pay-per-view called Great Balls of Fire, but you're getting Joe versus Lesnar in that dream match. What do you think about that matchup? Well, and I've been looking for the uh, the, the booking check. Apparently, I'm doing their work for them now. But no, on the table for three, they said, oh, name your WrestleMania dream main event. And I said, Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar for the title in a submission match. And then, of course, you know, I mean, it, let's face it, it's not a stretch 
uh, by any measure to book Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe when they're both on the roster of the WWE. I mean, at least not for somebody who envisions big pay-per-view matches that you know where they're smashing each other in the face real hard. Uh, so that wasn't a stretch, and I figured that the submission match would be the long, the culmination of a long rivalry, probably the rubber match, best of three, and it has been stretched out over a period of time. So maybe, maybe this is what we're getting. This is the first step, because whoever wins this one, obviously the other guy's going to want a rematch. And I bet you, if the if the other guy wins that one and they're one and one, then they'd have to do a third one. And next year, that'd be about eleven months. So. So maybe they are doing my idea after after all. Now, what do you, you know? What about Joe and Lesnar makes you want that to be a dream match? I mean, so many fans definitely agree with you. I definitely agree with you. But what do you take away from Brock, and what do you take away from Samoa Joe? Well, everybody knows and believes that Brock Lesnar is the only real guy in the WWE. He's one of the only real ones, but he's the only one allowed to be perpetrated and portrayed as as the real guy. And he's a badass, and he's former UFC champion, and et cetera. And if you look up and down the roster, the guy that it would seem to me would draw the money uh, to face Brock Lesnar and also to build a name for the future rather than going back to, for all respect, Goldberg, rather than going to the 50-year-olds, let's go to the next generation. Uh, on Up and down the roster, it's Samoa Joe. And my God, what a badass he is. And he's a great athlete. And I've watched him do the same thing with Kurt Angle and TNA. And it's the only time anybody – they bought a TNA pay-per-view. A TNA pay-per-view actually did like 40,000 buys or whatever. It's the only successful pay-per-view they ever had. And then when the other guy figured out that Dutch Mantel had an idea by just letting them, you know, promote the match, then he took over and they were doing angles every week and it didn't mean – uh, but at any rate, um, you know, uh, I, I would uh, I would have to say something like like that is is not that hard to figure out if you want to have an attraction that you can appeal to the wrestling audience and potentially to the UFC audience or just anybody wants to see two bad guys butt heads and fight. It is definitely a dream match, and to have it start at such a weird pay-per-view, kind of a throwaway July pay-per-view before SummerSlam, and have it called Great Balls of Fire, like the great Jerry Lee Lewis, is a little bit weird. What do you think about that name? Oh, well, uh, goodness gracious. I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear the story of the genesis of that someday from somebody that was in the office when, when Vince heard the song on the radio or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I, I did hear that Lawler's attorney actually also represents Jerry Lee Lewis, who and they had called Lawler and said, hey, who do we call in the WWE to sue about our song? And he put them together, and they licensed it for old Jerry Lee. So that was, that was a good thing. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, hey, somebody thought that was a great name somewhere, and I'm sure sooner or later we'll find out who that was. Now, have you ever had an instance where you worked for Vince and he would hear you know, maybe an old song or something so, like, out of tune and out of touch that you were just like, no, we can't use that, but he'll, like, you know, attempt to well, use it, whether it be, uh, you know, an angle or, or, or a wrestler? Actually, I I don't remember Vince McMahon ever. I'd never seen him watch television. I've never heard him listen to the radio. Uh, in the limousine, he's either talking about business or he's on the phone talking about business. Um, I, I he did have a fairly good knowledge of '70s television. I do remember that, and, this, and he can be contagious because when when Two Cold Scorpio had to be Flash Funk for whatever reason, and he was good. I, I don't the dancing girls, the Funkettes, and the whole nine yards. The the only time I ever liked the gimmick was the first night they had no music, so they, they let me play my Rick James tape I had in the car, and he came out to Love Gun. It actually had some oomph to it. <laughs> then they they Barry Whited him out or whatever the fuck, and it, you know Rick James could actually you know anyway. Um, at one point. We were actually talking about ideas, and they called Isabel Sanford, who played Aunt Esther on Sanford and Son, to see if she would come in and make an appearance as Flash Funk's aunt on a pay-per-view. This is how far it would fucking go, and he would, you would just follow down the rabbit hole with him when he'd have these ideas, and it would lead to something else. And, you, and you're, 
you're t- when he pitches, well, could Aunt Esther be in goddamn Flash Funk's corner, right? Well, then you start thinking, because it's the boss. He's the most powerful man in wrestling. You're sitting there at his kitchen table. You're starting trying to think of ways for Aunt Esther to be used. And it just, and then you realize, <laughs> you go home, and you're like, what the fuck? I was in on this. I mean, it's just, it was it was bizarre. Uh, it's amazing, some of the stuff. And then even more recently, he supposedly was writing, writing about a year ago, so he was writing Roman Reigns' promos, and he had him saying, suffering succotash as well. I mean, so you get stuff like that. I, it, but I, did somebody say that Vince McMahon told this guy to say suffering succotash? That's the, that's the big rumor. I, God damn. Well... I don't even know if Vince Mc, the Vince McMahon I knew twenty years ago would have would have made his top baby face say suffer and succotash. <laughs> hey, he did want uh, yes the, the you know the aunt on Sanford and Son to be a part of it. So you you never know with Vince. Kind well, of but a, that was underneath. Good, uh, that that was that was the middle of the card. You could you could let Aunt Esther on the middle of the card, but you know the top <laughs> baby face suffer and succotash and that I don't know. Anyway, nevertheless. Now, when you're in kind of a you know, booking meeting with Vince, uh, do you ever say, you know, I kind of go against the grain and like, hey, uh, Vince, um, come on, you know, this is an awful idea, or you kind of just kind of roll the punches and, and kind of see what good you can make out of it? Well, now, the thing is, you could, I mean, you didn't want to just jump up and say, Vince, you fucking suck, your ideas are shits, and we ought to boil you in oil and sell the fat for soap. You know, but... When it was just you and Vince and Bruce, or you and Vince and the other guy, or Jr. was in the room, or whatever, just a few of it, you could obviously, you know, start mentioning what you thought was wrong with that idea. There was no problem with doing that. Uh, sometimes it, you couldn't convince him, and, and Vince is a very, as I said, a very, you know, charismatic individual. He can talk you into doing shit, and then you leave the the premises and have no idea how he did it. But. Um, but no, we were all allowed to, you know, argue our case for why something made sense or something didn't make sense. Now I know we're a little bit pressed for time, so as I wind it down here, there's so many good things. I mean, and great stories from you. I mean, for anything on our show, you're basically like our number one go-to guy. Whether it be YouTube, whether it be downloads, it's almost like we have anything involving Jim Cornette. Even if somebody's talking about you, you always are. Like our number one guy, or like I'm a safe of... subject. You know, it's going to be somehow entertaining. Do you like being that guy? Where it's almost like you're always on, even though you don't even realize you're always on. Um, I've had so many people tell me, and I would never do this. I'm not going to be on a reality TV show. But I've had so many people tell me, my friends, when I, you know, they call me up. Oh, what are you doing? Well, I just got these goddamn mice in my crawl space, or whatever. Uh, and and the adventures of Star Maker Boland and his clan uh, on the periphery of my universe over here. Uh, a lot of people say that's why they like the experience because we don't do bits really uh, made up shit. We just talk about what really happens to us. Uh, and it, it's to say I wouldn't be on a reality TV show because I could not stand people in my house. It would drive me insane. I'd throw them off the fucking deck. But I've had people tell me that I should just have a camera follow me around. I don't try to be on. I like to be calm and relaxed, sitting in the TV room, reading a book, watching the big screen. But often my interaction with the outside world is somehow noteworthy in some respect or another. Just because I'm cranky and don't have a lot of patience. Well, you are, you know, you're the man to us. I mean, you, you've been so great to us, and, and even away from the show personally, you've been great to us. And I got an awesome Midnight Ex- Express uh, scrapbook from you, and I got a question. Is that thing ever going to be re-released to the public, or do I have an awesome, you know, rare relic on my hand? Right now you have an awesome rare relic, and it's only because I've had – I've had to – obviously with all that color and slick paper and et cetera, I had to get thousands up front. And selling out the print run, I've got a choice. Well, do I do that again 
And, yes, a lot of people would jump on it right at the start, but how long would I have them versus I've, I need a place to store the next book that I'm coming out with. And I've got uh, videos on, uh, that I'm working on all summer for the website, jimcornett.com, and some other things that are going to be released for the Christmas season. And it just, I, you know, maybe at some point. But uh, I'm only one man. I can only disseminate so much knowledge and education at the, at the <laughs> same time. Hey, I got you on that. But as I'm looking through that scrapbook, which is literally uh, wrestling gold, I mean, it's it's awesome. You got Rock and Roll Express I see in there. I see the Fantastics. You know, you see a bunch of these awesome, like it just reminds you of these awesome feuds that the Midnight Express had. Who do you think, you know, if you really think about it, would it be Rock and Roll Express? Who's the best feud for the Midnights? Or would it even be like at a Fantastics or another team like that? Oh, God. Well, I mean, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight are – inextricably linked it was the biggest box office tag team attraction of the 80s it 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 inspired guys to be wrestlers that are still in the ring today when they when they saw those guys work um you know we set attendance records the matches with the fantastics were as good if not better um and they tore down the house but they came after the rock and roll so you know, the the matches with the Road Warriors were classics. Nothing can match up to the, just the level of the rock and roll rivalry. Uh, but even Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, our, our short series with the, the Horsemen, those did tremendous gates, and they were great matches. And that's the only – that's one of the biggest professional regrets I have is that we weren't allowed to – you know, because Tully and Arn left in the middle of it and went to the WWF after we'd been – together for about six weeks we had another nine months left in it and it would have been great business so i I regret we didn't get a chance to do that but if you talk about our doppelgangers it's the rock and roll what an amazing feud and and one of those things if you watch it today it holds up very very well i know uh, a guy that you've kind of had a a little bit of an off and on again relationship with dave Meltzer says you don't go by that that well now wait Wait a minute, Dave and I aren't off and on. He's on my show this week, as a matter of fact, coming up. We're, he just says, what I told you, I've, I've mentioned that weed's legal in California a couple of times, and he just he likes some of these guys, you know. But well, he's he, you know, his thing is you don't really say it doesn't hold up, but I like to do that. You know, you watch current wrestling and then you watch the old stuff. Like, wow, this, you know, Midnight Express, Rock Roll Express is better than any tag wrestling I've seen in many, many years. You kind of agree with that, you know, the holding up statement? Um, I, I think I have found from going to comic conventions and, uh, you know, big uh, memorabilia shows, not just a wrestling crowd and not a current wrestling crowd, that I have so many people come up and, and they say that younger fans can go back and watch the old stuff on YouTube and they can get into it because of the crowd and because of the fact that it looks so much more real for whatever reason. Imagine that. And they can get into the older stuff, even though they're younger fans, but the older fans that grew up on that can't get into today's stuff. It just hurts their feelings. I I think that's uh, uh, the older stuff. A lot of the old stuff doesn't hold up, especially depending on who the audience is. For people who want to see this video game wrestling stuff, uh, uh, they're not going to enjoy probably 70s, you know, NWA Florida, real technical on the mat type of thing, whatever. But for pro wrestling fans that grew up in those days with pro wrestling, they like the old stuff. They don't like the new stuff. But a lot of younger fans can't get into the older stuff because it just looks it, it looks more legitimate and the, and the fans are going crazy. Going crazy, without a doubt. And we do have to wrap it up here, Jim, but I just have one more question here before we get to the big plug rooney And that is, watching you at Legends in the Ring, I had to bring this up before we let you off the line, and I got to look over and see you at the table, and I saw a lot of the guys from OVW that were over with you and were kind of, you know, just coming over to say hello. And at one point... I looked over, and there was about three or four guys. It was t- the tail end of the show. It was kind of starting to, uh, you know, it was it was ending. But these guys made their way over to you, I saw, as our good buddy, Kevin Thorne, Kevin Fertig. He was seven in OVW. And then you saw the Spirit Squad, uh, Kenny and, uh, and, and Mike Mondo were over there. And you kind of get to see that they're, they're back, and they're smiling, and they're over there with you. 
but you saw them before they got anywhere. You saw them when they were coming in. You saw them when they were green. You saw them go off and do whatever. Is being back in that moment with them when they're now established, when they've either finished their career or they're just back on TV, do you kind of take a step back and say, wow, I really uh, – I knew these guys, you know, when they were nothing, and now here they are. We're all at this convention. We're meeting fans. And, uh, you know, 12 years ago we were in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were uh, just getting these guys started. No, my God, and it was longer than that. But now don't say I knew when they were nothing because, no, they were, they were great kids to begin with. That's why they got as far as they got. Um, but, yeah, I did have – I always have fun seeing the, the OVW guys, and for some of them it's bittersweet because I think, wow, if, if they'd actually had legitimate serious gimmicks and, you know, it didn't trip over the bad booking, as somebody once said, uh, they could have gone – their futures could have been so much brighter in some cases. But I like seeing all those guys because they worked hard for my company. They worked hard for our television. They went on and, and achieved varying degrees of success. And got, like Mondo, we saw him first at a training camp that was open to any independent wrestlers from anywhere in the country. I think he was 19 years old. I think he'd been wrestling about a year. Uh, he trained in, in New York. And he came down, and from the first time we saw him at camp, we, we invited him. That's the only way you could come to OVW in those days was to be invited uh, to be a student because we, we had more than we could handle. But we asked him to come down and be a student. He did. He moved down here to Louisville. He was Not only did he excel in working with OVW, but also uh, he did a great job with that horrible gimmick they were handed, the Spirit Squad. But, but people don't know this. Mondo is such a, a tremendous – in-ring performer for years he's done the motion capture one of the guys did the motion capture for the video games because he can literally do everybody's wrestling move the way that they do it and and uh as a matter of fact almost all the guys that that have uh, done the motion capture stuff trained extensively in ovw because we actually taught people how to do shit uh nevertheless i digress uh mondo's tremendous talent uh you know and and so many of the guys, when I see them at conventions, uh, a lot of times the guys that are out of the business are, are in better shape now than they were when they were in the business. I saw Muhammad Hassan, Mark Magnus, was a tremendous performer, the only wrestler in the modern era that was his career was canceled by the television network. So he they shot him in the foot just right off the bat, but he would have been a tremendous talent. But he was in better physical shape now that he's a, a teacher and doing other things than he was in, in the ring. So... I like it when I see the guys and they've done well, regardless whether it's wrestling or, or something else. Yeah, it's uh, you're completely right. And you see, uh, like I said, our good buddy uh, Kevin Fertig. I mean, he's still, he still wrestles, you know, part time. Uh, yeah, seven. He, he, he was in tremendous shape. He cracked my back for me. Uh, <laughs> he's he, he still got giant arms. Yeah, he. Uh, everybody who saw him at that show said he should still be there, uh, you know, doing something, cracking heads. And even Chris Cage, I talk to him quite often. He always uh, sings your praises, and it's always cool to hear those OVW stories. And that is where we will end it because that would be a great pickup in a, in a couple months down the road when we would love to have you back, of course, uh, joining the two-man power trip. With the, the, the multi-part series, the continuing saga of Jim Court, who knows what I'll have done or been up to in a couple months from now. You never, you never know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a constant uh, of a development around here. Absolutely, and please, Jim. As usual, we've already mentioned him a couple times, but please share all the places where we can get the merchandise, the podcast, the kayfabe commentaries, everything that goes on in the world of the one and only Jim Cornette. Oh golly, well you got to listen to the podcast, the Jim Cornette Experience, every Thursday. Uh, you can go to jimcornett.com to find out where I'm going to be in person. My schedule is light this summer because I'm staying home to do yard work, but uh, work at my personal appearances, uh, the merchandise collectibles that are on sale, a link to the podcast so you can find it that way, and uh, and, and so much more. And Twitter, at the Jim Cornette, uh, and join the cult of Cornette followers. And just I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. You can pick me up on the fillings in your teeth. I'm everywhere. And I got to end it this way. John got a Midnight Express book. I got nothing. So thank you, fuck you, bye, Jim Cornette. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, here's the thing. He carried stuff for me, and you weren't there. <laughs> so he kind of <laughs> no, healed in. Plus, he, he, he said, yeah, my co-host will be here later, but you don't need to give him nothing. I said, okay. I, I got stuck in a room with Bob Hoff. I'm not even kidding when I make this up. 
if I made it up, it would, it would sound like I did. But I was in a room with Bob Holly, with Big Kevin Thorne, every single Samoan that was in the Legends of the Ring convention. And I think Tony Atlas is in there, Big Gene Snitsky. It was the weirdest room I'd ever been in in my life. So that's where I was while you guys were out doing your thing. I'm surprised you didn't exceed the weight limit on the floor. <laughs> ground floor. So there you go. We, we could have gone into the ground. Well, you know, sinkholes are prevalent. Anyway, thank you, guys. I will come back and do the show. Thank you, guys, for the help in New Jersey. Thank everybody out there. And remember, hey, folks, until we meet again, you could bet your last money it's all going to be a stone gas, honey. I'm Jim Cornette, and in parting, I want to wish you love, peace, and soul. <laughs> I just figured if Teddy Long was listening, that's what the, that's the rib we used to do for each other. So that's the first time anybody's quoted Don Cornelius to close your podcast. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.